0: PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at PhotoShelter.com. Then download one of our free educational guides at PhotoShelter.com slash resources.
1: Hi, I'm Joey Terrell. I'm a commercial photographer based in Los Angeles.
0: Hey, it's Alan Murabayashi with PhotoShelter. Today on the show, Nikon ambassador and lighting guru, Joey Terrell, Joey's brother, Mark, has been working as a photojournalist for the AP for many years, but Joey took a different path to his picture making. Not only is Joey a great photographer, but he also has a solid understanding of business, and his success as a freelancer for nearly all of his career is a testament to that knowledge. We spoke to him at the Summit workshops in California.
1: Um, I like shooting pretty much anything you can make a picture of. Uh, Photography is one of those things to me that is I don't know, the best way I, I think that I could describe it is it's a vehicle for me to experience life. It's a way, it's a reason to experience life. And so the, the things that you can do with your life with a camera in your hand um, are somehow different than anything else. And, and the, what I mean by that is, is that um, I get to see things and experience things that other people, the doors close to them. For me, the door gets opened only because I have a camera in my hand. And for me, uh, that's one of the main reasons that I became a photographer and one of the main reasons I've continued to be a photographer.
0: You made a choice many years ago that a lot of photographers are confronting now, which is to become a freelancer Mm -hmm. and to kind of figure out exactly the types of photos that you wanted to take for your career and to to kind of give you a feeling of satisfaction. How did that come about?
1: I really believe that being a journalist, which is how I started, was the career path that I wanted to take. And I um, pretty quickly decided that 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 wasn't the right path for me. And the way that I figured it out is, is that I'm, I'm kind of impatient, and I'm also kind of a control freak. And I realized that journalism requires a lot of patience. You have to wait for things to happen in front of your camera. And the distinction I always make is, is you take pictures rather than make pictures. And I really wanted to make them. And so I didn't realize that when I was, when I was a journalist. And as it, as it evolved, I kind of realized that the pictures, they sent me out, a short story, they sent me out to make a portrait and I'd never made a portrait before, The Times did. And I had such an amazing time building a set, small as it was, I walked away from it almost uh, like a runner would have a high. I felt just so uh, enthusiastic about what I had just done. The picture was horrible. But the experience taught me that I really liked that. And so it evolved kind of out of that making pictures rather than taking them.
0: So was the decision to leave the world of photojournalism and become a freelancer. Was that something that was just like you woke up one day and you did it or was it meticulously planned so that your income wasn't interrupted and you had clientele already?
1: Somewhat I realized there's no way I can spend the rest of my life doing the journalism thing. I, I realized that I, I will die a very young man. I don't have the patience and I don't have the temperament. My brother, who's an amazing photographer, amazing photojournalist, he has the temperament. And the interesting thing about that is, is that, um, he hates what I do and I hate what he does. And yet we both respect what the other one does. It's perfect for him and very imperfect for me and vice versa. So, uh, to the other part of the question, I, I, I realized I needed what I, what I might refer to as a financial floor. And without that financial floor, there was no way I was going to be able to do the kinds of pictures that I wanted to, to do. And so what I did is I found someone that would hire me again and again and again. It was work that I didn't want to do necessarily. But you know, you've heard this phrase many times, you know, the worst, the worst day of photography is better than the best day selling insurance. And so I, it was photography work, but it was absolutely not what I wanted to do, but it was steady. And I did that for many years, and it allowed me to, because I had that financial floor, it allowed me to do the kinds of other pictures that I wanted to make. It gave me that freedom.
0: You're known very much for incredible lighting, in portraits thank you how how did that evolve was that something that you developed while you were working in journalism or was it an evolution of of what you kind of saw in your mind's eye
1: that very first portrait that i referred to um i I lit it um with like one of the earliest battery powered strobes that you could use and um, like i said it was horrible i look at it now it's horrible But uh, the idea that I could control things and I could shape things and bring out texture and color and nuance and and all that really appealed both to the creative side but also the nerdy side. There's a lot of Gizmos and gadgets and things that go with lighting. And I like that part of it, but more than that, I liked what those gizmos and gadgets could give me in terms of nuance and the textural elements of photography. And I always looked at it as um, lenses and cameras and things like that give you. Colors, if you will. Uh, The metaphor I often use is the painter's palette and that when you're when you're painting, you have this range of colors and you can mix them to create any color that you want. When you start getting involved in lighting, it's like having 10 times as many lenses. You all of a sudden have all these capabilities that you didn't have before to tell your story, whatever your story is. And so the lighting aspect is just something that um, I identified with. I looked at photographer's work. Arnold Newman is a uh, is one that immediately comes to mind. I looked at what he did with his portraits. Karsh, people like that. And I looked at the light. And Herman Leonard, which is not a name that a lot of people know, he was a great jazz uh Portraitist, but what he would do is he would bring his lights out into the jazz clubs and light people like Charlie Parker and John Coltrane and and folks like that. And he'd make these amazing pictures. Probably the most famous one is of Duke Ellington with this shaft of light behind Ellington at the piano. And it's, I looked at that and I said, I want to do that. And so uh, just over the years, I just, everything involve light even if it didn't need light I'd find a way to make it need light and it's been great
0: are you sort of astonished at where technology has taken us with with the cameras and the focusing systems and the resolution and and the portability of lights and, and all this how does how has how does that affected your workflow
1: um, it's' Some people will say, <clears throat> oh, I got to go back and shoot film. I wouldn't go back to film for anything. I mean, I I am a thorough digital convert. Uh, I liked film when I shot it, but um, I think digital is absolutely amazing. But having said that, one of the things that digital did is it leveled the playing field for anyone entering photography. And so that I, the way I always say it is... is is. You know, my mom doesn't know anything about photography, but she can go out in the morning and buy one of the most amazing cameras that are being made today. And by that afternoon, she's a photographer and there's nobody that's going to tell her any different with autofocus and TTL and being able to manipulate things after the fact and in raw processing and things like that. The level of entry is so much higher than it used to be when you shot film and you shot with manual focus. I'm an old Hasselblad shooter. Everything with that camera was, it was difficult to focus. It was manual focus. You were shooting on film, so you had to know inside and out how the film was going to respond to whatever you were shooting. Yeah, you could have Polaroid, but it was still only an approximation of what you'd get later. And so now what it means is for, a, for a, a photographer that's just starting out or in the first few years of their business, it means your competition is so much higher than it was 20 years ago. You really have to have a way to differentiate yourself from everybody else that's doing exactly what you're doing.
0: When you see the young photographers today, I'm always struck that. The many different ways that photographers are succeeding, and certainly social media being one of those, the Insta famous photographers. Sure. As an old school photographer, if I may call you that, what's your reaction? Is there a sense of resentment? Is there a sense of wonderment of like, how did, how are they doing what they're doing, or is it just like, okay, that's, that's what they do, and this is what I do.
1: I'm I'm okay with it. Uh, I want everybody to be successful, frankly. I think the part that bothers me more than anything else is um, when people are misled by someone who doesn't have the experience behind them to be saying what they're saying. What I mean by that is they have become an expert in being an expert, and so they're influential, which I respect, that's perfectly fine, as long as what you're saying is actually true. I had a conversation with someone just uh, two nights ago, as a matter of fact, where they were telling me about Um, I was looking at their portfolio and they're talking about cropping. And they said, you know, I I looked, I was on this website and they mentioned someone whose name I knew. uh, And they said, and they said, never, ever crop your images. And to me, that's that's crazy, because to me, what your what your outcome is, is to communicate to the viewer what you want to communicate and however you need to do that, whether it's with a lens or it's with a particular Post processing technique, or it's the way you crop your images. If doing so makes it a stronger uh, bit of communication, then you're doing it right. And to make a blanket statement like that to someone who is listening to you and then is influenced by you, um, that part of it bothers me. As far as Insta Famous, you know, more power to them. I like that part of it. But if you're going to be influencing people, um, I, people that have done it and lived it, and have the experience to stand behind it. Um, if you, I respect those people if they're going to be influencing, you know, newer photographers.
0: We are talking here at the Summit Workshop uh, Sports Photography California version. We have a lot of students here that aspire to be professional photographers, even if part-time photographers. What sort of advice do you give these students nowadays when you know, particularly with sports, how difficult it is to make a buck?
1: The most important thing is to differentiate yourself. And that can be, that doesn't have to be photographically. One of the best ways to differentiate yourself is just be a nice person. Because as, as much as it pains me to say this, photographers, some photographers can be difficult to work with. They can be, um, they can make it difficult on the people that hire them. And I think that is one way you can just differentiate yourself. Just be easy to work with. Look for things like that. Look for ways to be different, to be unique. Um, in, in some people's cases, it may be that, um, they use light, and I hope, for me, that's why I'm here. I'm, I'm that evangelist to try and say, look, light isn't scary. Light isn't as hard as you may think it is. And I want to try and show you that what you can do with light can really change your photography, no matter what kind of photography you do, whether it's sports or anything else. But the key is, is that, like I said earlier, that it's so easy now to get to a very high baseline right out of the gate. There has to be a way for you to offer something different to the people who have the money to hire you. Otherwise, they're going to hire the person sitting next to you.
0: Do you think that there are certain things like business that need to be taught as a part of a photo degree degree nowadays? Or do you even think that it's necessary to go to uh, college to study photography to be successful as a photographer.
1: Um, I don't think it's necessary. I think it's if you do, you have a far greater chance of being successful. I think knowing business and running your photography business as a business, uh, you have a much greater chance of success. I think uh, the other thing that you know that that getting an education can help you with is people skills, because. It doesn't just like if you're a portrait photographer, understanding psychology, understanding emotional connection with people, having what they call emotional intelligence, where you are understanding your subject is incredibly important, but it's not just them. No matter what kind of photography you do, you need to work with other people, whether it's makeup artists, hairstylists, your client, there's other people you have to work with and having good people skills will take you almost as far as having good photography skills. If you have both, you're a a threat. Uh, There's just no two ways about it. The other part about photography, and I think it's a, a photography education that I think is so important, is understanding where we came from. Knowing what's come before us, knowing who did what, and looking at pictures, understanding pictures, understanding how pictures communicate, not only from a photography standpoint, but how pictures get used, the way pictures are laid out, the way pictures are cropped. Things like that um, are all part of visual communication and getting a formal education um, really helps with that. So I think it's a huge benefit, yeah.
0: Talking about business, a lot of photographers, even the top flight photographers, have sought to diversify their income streams because they, they don't want to be dependent on any one income source. You, like many photographers, participate in teaching workshops. Is that part of an income diversification strategy, or is it something because you love to teach and interact with the next generation of photographers?
1: It's more because I, I love it. Um, I never in a million years thought I would ever be involved in teaching workshops. Um, the founder of this particular workshop, the Summit Workshops, Rich Clarkson, Uh, he invited me to teach and I thought uh, this is almost 20 years ago and I thought to myself why and why me for for sure and I did it and I got this high after doing it it was absolutely one of the most satisfying things I've ever it it was on par with um, some of the more amazing photo shoots I've ever been a part of and I really wanted to do it again but I thought to myself for sure I said they'll never have me back I'll never get invited back. This is a one-off. It'll never happen again. And here I am, like, 25 workshops later. Uh, and I still say to myself, I'm like, no, this is probably going to be my last one. They won't have me back. They'll, they'll, they'll realize that I don't belong here, and they'll find, find the right person. Um, but it, it is incredibly fulfilling to watch another photographer make a picture that they couldn't make the day before. To understand something they didn't understand the day before. And to watch them walk away from a workshop saying, I can do things I couldn't do before. There's something incredibly satisfying about that. So for me, um, the educational part of photography um, is something that I'm enjoying more and more and more. My involvement with Nikon as an ambassador has given me more opportunities to be involved in a, a more diverse array of workshops and, um, educational experiences. And I've embraced that thoroughly. I, I, I really like the opportunity, but, um, to your earlier point about income streams, I think diversity just in general is a great idea. Uh, if I can tell a short story, um, there was a downturn in the economy as there, there is from time to time. And I had made the mistake, uh, this is going back some years 20 years ago i had made the mistake of essentially putting all my eggs in one basket i was trusting one aspect of the photography market to take care of me if you will and that downturn in the economy affected the area that i was working in heavily so strongly that um, i was looking everywhere i could for work and i i realized i will never do that again and so I ended up after that diversifying and the the thing with diversification is it's very difficult to market yourself because if, for example, you shoot a lot of architecture, but then you also shoot a lot of portraiture, but then you also do a lot of other products, let's say, it's very hard to convince somebody you can do a lot of different things, but it doesn't preclude you from being able to do a lot of different things. You can still have the skill set without having to market yourself that way. And so I think now, particularly, um, it's really important to be diverse, for sure.
0: A lot of photo- photographers say that they, they use personal projects as a way to kind of keep their creative juices flowing and that create, uh, personal projects sometimes turn into commercial assignments or editorial assignments and whatnot. Do you have certain per- personal projects that you involve yourself with?
1: I do. I've done a number of them over the years. The one I'm doing now is I'm working on a book uh, of portraits and I'm incorporating the educational element into it. And that um, for every portrait, I have someone with me that is there as a student to learn. And so it's it's I'm combining both of them. But the personal project, um, I think it's the one place where there's no constraint. And that's the reason for the personal project. Almost everything else you do in photography, you're doing it at at the service of someone else. There's an editor, there's a client, um, there's an art director, there's someone that is in your ear sort of modifying what you're trying to do. A personal project gives you the freedom to really do anything you want to do. And there's no one telling you that you can't. So it really is, it takes the shackles off of you as a photographer, and then whatever it is that you're trying to communicate is exactly what you wanted to communicate without any influence from anyone else. And when you do that, um, the, uh, the great, there have been some great photo editors, and there uh, was a great one at Life Magazine named John Lowengard, who had this great saying, he said, shoot what you can't help but shoot. And it was... I remember when I first heard that, it it spoke to me so much because I understood what he meant by that, which is, it will be your best work. And because it's your best work, you'll want to do more of it. You'll want to do it over and over and over again. And when you get involved in a personal project, I really feel as though that project becomes your best work. But to your point about It leading other places, that best work from your personal project is what you then start showing other people. And they'll recognize it as your best work. And then they'll hire you to do that. And then it becomes a circle.
0: Joey, thanks for your time today. My pleasure. My pleasure. For more great content, check out blog.photoshelter.com.